Hello and welcome to Spiritual Basics Podcast. This is a bi-monthly podcast designed to teach the searchers, seekers, and spiritually curious the basics of metaphysics. I am Jen Merkel, one of your hosts. And I am Dr. April Darley. Hey, Dr. April. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm doing really good. I am. I got a birthday coming up in a few weeks, so I know I, you do. <laughs> I do. So I've been like, I got to figure something, you know, special to give myself for my birthday. Have you figured it out yet, or still nope. working on it? Nope. <laughs> no, I've, I've looked so at all kinds yourself. of things. I treat myself. I know. It's like, what am I going to do? I've been looking at some retro candy because there's a candy shop in town that it has all of these different candies from all really? over the world. Okay. And uh, they've been posting baskets they're making. You know, nice. like, hmm, it might be cool to send myself a basket of some retro candy. What are your favorites? What do you like? Oh, I like Goo Goo Cluster. Do you remember those? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. I remember those. Yeah. That's kind of a Southern thing too, right? Yeah. Totally a Southern thing. But the Chico sticks, Goo Goo yeah. clusters, Sixlets, you know, the chocolate you can, was a big fan, but they sure. have things like, um, the candy that we had, which was totally inappropriate now, like candy cigarettes. I loved candy cigarettes. <laughs> right? It's just, I liked how they t- I just shove them in my mouth, you know, and I necessarily right. pretend I'm smoking, but how, how I know it's, it's so inappropriate nowadays. Like, right? You never see a kid walking down the street with candy cigarettes. Right. And they've got the fun dip. Do you remember that? Yes. I used oh, to love it. Man. My mouth is watering right now. Just thinking about it actually. <laughs> yeah. So that's why it's, it's high up there on my list. Cause I'm a Taurus and you know, I love me some food. Yeah. So delivering myself food, <laughs> nothing <laughs> says love like food. Nice. So, yeah, that is true. Yeah, my, one of my favorites, actually still my favorite, is the grape Laffy Taffy. Like I just oh, can't yeah. get enough of it. Yeah. Anything, especially anything grape flavor. That's like my favorite. Grape and pineapple are like my two favorites. So yeah, I never could understand why people went crazy for the banana one. Oh, I think it's the worst. I don't even eat yeah. that. I pick it out, throw it out. Nope, don't eat it. Can't <laughs> yes. have it. Yeah. What about you? What's going on in Jen world? Oh, so much going on. I was telling you earlier, I just, you know, did a huge revamp of my website. I'm official. I got my official certification for hypnotherapy. So I am in business and ready to go doing video sessions and it's all very exciting. So I actually have a lot going on. I always have a lot going on, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know me. Right. Aquarius that I am. But yes. even still, uh, yeah, so it's all very exciting. And so kind of celebrating that. I need to think of a way to celebrate that myself. I got a six-pack of beer in my fridge. It's been in there for like two months. Maybe I'll crack one open. I don't know. <laughs> Tell everybody your website so they can start booking. Oh, uh, well, it's jenmerkelhypnosis.com. So Fantastic. yeah, everybody check it out. I also have stuff up there about um, doing readings and uh, spiritual uh, development classes. So, Well, readings is a very great thing. We're going to talk about that today. And yeah. Oh my I, gosh, what a great segue. I, I didn't even plan that. Right? I pat myself on totally the back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think this is going to be one of the, the funner shows that we've done. At least it excites me because I love the topic we have today. It's fun. It's like something that we're both really passionate about. And usually when you start learning about all this spiritual stuff, you do readings, especially with things like cards, because it's, it seems like it's like a, 
something that helps you like pulls from your intuition and stuff. Well, today we're going to talk about divination. So that's why this was such a wonderful segue. So what is divination? Divination is the practice of seeking knowledge about the future or unknown through supernatural means. And I know that sounds kind of like hokey, but it's really extraordinary, uh, atypical means that could involve a process or a ritual that you do to try to find out an answer to some question or problem that you have. Yeah. And you might not even realize that you may have already used divination in your everyday life. Things like if you ever had, um, if you've ever tossed a coin, like you can't decide on something, so you toss a coin that technically is divination. You might have thought about this or heard Heard about this where like you don't know the answer to a question or you feel like something something I did early in my spiritual practice was like I was learning and I'm like what does my spirit team want me to know today so I would just go to my bookshelf and close my eyes and randomly pull out a book open up the, the page and then I would look and see what was the first sentence my eye caught or the first sentence on the top of the page and whatever that was, I would kind of think about that and I'd be like, okay, so that is actually a form of divination too, if you've ever done that. Also a Ouija board, that's divination. So if you've ever used one of those when you were, I know I did in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also a magic eight ball. If you remember those from back in like the seventies and eighties, those were pretty popular. I love magic eight balls. It goes along with that retro theme that I have going on right now because I was a kid <laughs> of the eighties. I definitely had a magic eight ball in the eighties. And in the 90s, I worked in retail management and I managed several employees and I was kind of getting annoyed because it seemed like every time I turned around, these guys were asking me, can I get a break? Can I go to lunch? When's my second break? <laughs> you know? And it was Welcome just like, to management. break, break, break all day long. And I worked in a mall and we had a toy store there. So one day I'm killing time on my lunch hour, browsing this toy store and I see a magic eight ball. So I'm like, this is perfect. Was that Sir Spencer's by any chance? It it was not. I think it was an actual toy store. Oh my gosh. I'm surprised. I remember seeing one at Spencer's and be like, I want this. I don't think our mall was that highbrow. (laughs) Believe me, mine wasn't either, but... It was in Wichita Falls, Texas. They've done a lot of work on the mall, I think, <laughs> since I lived there. But I bought that Magic 8 ball and I loved it because every time somebody would ask me for a break, I'm like, let's ask the 8 ball. I don't know. Shake it, shake it, shake it. Not now. Try again later. <laughs> Guess you can't go on that break. Sorry, sucker. Right. You're shake it, out shake, of luck. Outlook not so good. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. I don't know if they appreciated it, but I enjoyed it. The history of divination actually is interesting. They've been doing divination since like ancient Roman times, Greece, Italy, Babylon. I was trying to do a little bit of research to kind of find out where it all started or how long it's been going on, but it seems like it's been going on since the beginning of time and pretty much everywhere in the world. You know, the ancient Aztecs, um, you did scrying using smoke and mirrors, uh, ancient Africans, Uh, depending on what part of the continent, there were different things they did. And it just went way back, even in biblical times. It's even mentioned in the Bible. Absolutely. And one of the most ancient divination tools comes from China. It's called the I Ching. And one I'm not super familiar with, but it's complicated, sort of. That's what everybody <laughs> describes I Ching is it it's it's easy, sort of. 
there is a text in China and it's called the Book of Changes is its name translated. But scholars estimate that this book originated somewhere between the 10th and 4th century BC. So way back. And the text was divided into 64 sections and you can think of them like chapters. And each section is dedicated to a symbol called a hexagram. So a hexagram was a combination of six lines that were either solid or broken lines. And a person, if they were going to use the I Ching, they would ask a question like, should I wear my red shoes tomorrow? Which by the way, is kind of what you do anytime you're using divination, you're asking a question. Yes, this part is a little different in that you have to build your own hexagram. So and unlike the open a book and just pick one example that we were talking about earlier, you've got to build, it's like choose your own adventure, build a bear. So it's like the Ikea of divination tools. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's perfect. It <laughs> is. It is. So the way you build your six line hexagram is through a coin toss. So odds mean one thing, evens mean another, and you uh, do a coin toss six times until you build your hexagram. And then you go look up the hexagram that you've built in one of those chapters, and it gives you the answer to your question. Okay, so as soon as we can, I think you and I need to sit down and have a little two-person party and do some I Ching and kind of <laughs> figure out what it's all about, because oh, it actually it's, sounds like fun. It, it's, it's easy, but yet not. That's what everybody says about it. <laughs> That's I Ching. Well, another type of divination is palmistry, which is reading palms, which a lot of people have heard of. It's basically using the lines on your hands to determine personality characteristics, you know, like your lifeline. You can find out number of children you're going to have, marriages, destiny, and stuff like that. Along those lines, there's also something that's lesser known called toe reading. And uh, when I was actually studying my hypnotherapy for my hypnotherapy uh, certificate through the Southwest Institute of the Healing Arts. This is the first I heard of it. They actually have a certification course for toe reading. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Also phrenology, you might've heard of, sorry, I'm trying not to spit into the microphone phrenology, which is uh, basically studying the bumps on your head. You probably have heard of it before. I just didn't know it was called phrenology maybe because I sure didn't. Um, and also reflexology, which is like the lines on your feet. And phrenology, funny enough, is they had special busts, like head busts, the bald head with, with the potential divots in it. So if you're learning phrenology, that's kind of like those acupuncture dolls, you know, to kind of teach you. Right. Yeah. It's like mapped out. Like if you, if you Google yeah. phrenology, you'll see a, a, like an image of a head that's all mapped out. And it's the same with palmistry mm -hmm. and uh, the other types. Perfect. The next is my favorite, near and dear to my heart, is tarot cards. And when it comes to divination, I think everyone sort of gravitates to a particular one. And tarot has been the one that has captivated my attention probably since I was a kid. I'm sure I saw it on some kind of movie on TV and I was completely fascinated. But I first started tarot at 16. And tarot consists of 78 cards with four suits. So in, on the surface, it can remind you of a deck of playing cards, but a little bit in more in depth than that. It actually began as a card game somewhere in the 15th century. It's believed around Italy, particularly Milan area. Uh, but the four suits are coins, cups, 
wands and swords. And then you've got a separate section called major arcana. And the, those four suits were minor arcana, but the major arcana deals with major life events. So that might be birth, death, uh, graduation from your program, something that's significant. And then you've got the minor arcana with the four suits that deals with minor day-to-day -day type events. And uh, I was going to say too that the, I know you said like coins and wands, um, sometimes the coins are known as pentacles, sometimes the mm -hmm. wands are known as sticks. So it, it can depend on which deck you're using as well. Absolutely. There is sort of an industry standard on the deck. It's called the Rider Waite Smith, but there are a gazillion decks out there. Some of them follow the Rider Waite Smith symbolism. And if you are a beginner trying to use tarot, you'll find that most classes are structured using a Rider Waite Smith deck. So that may be the easiest deck for someone to begin with. Yeah, and something about the tarot also, um, just a resource for people. One of my favorite reference books is called 78 Degrees of Separation. And uh, that I cannot remember the author off the top of my head. I apologize, but it's a great book for reference. Or if you want to teach yourself tarot, um, it's really good for that. So loosely based on tarot cards are what's called oracle cards. And they're kind of like friendly tarot cards, for lack of a better word. Um, oracle cards are really good if you don't want to, like if you're a little intimidated by tarot. Tarot sometimes, depending on who you're talking to, a lot of people say tarot have specific meanings. And oracle cards leave a little bit more to the imagination. The number of cards in a deck can vary. I have some decks that only have about 50 cards, and I have some that have actually, I think, 80 cards. So they have pictures on them, and they have words on them. And a lot of them, they're loosely based on tarot. Like uh, one of my decks uh, has something that's called deception, but it's technically the devil card, right? It's equal to that. Or I have one that's called storm warning. It shows a tornado. That's like the tower. It also, they might, they might combine some certain things. Um, but it's really good because if you were going to do a reading, like if you're just like, oh, I don't know, tarot seems really complicated. I recommend you, you find some oracle cards that really resonate with you and try practicing on those. Just try pulling one card a day. They usually come with booklets, which are great. But what the power in using any kind of card really, or any kind of divination is relying on your intuition. So look at the picture. What does it mean to you? And how does it, you know, how is it interpreted with whatever is going on in your life right now? You may have actually noticed Jen says tarot. I say tarot. <laughs> it's a tomato, tomato thing. <laughs> you pick. <laughs> right? And if you are looking for a tarot deck, they do have, as I mentioned before, there's a gazillion and I have one that has cartoon type animals on it. So if you need a softer, gentler deck, they do have them out there for you. So uh, they all have personalities, I think. And I, I think mm -hmm. I have at least five tarot decks. And I'll Is that all? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is all. I, I probably <laughs> have kidding. 40 Oracle decks. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I have five tarot, yeah. and um, I will notice each one has a particular vibe. So I may switch out my deck depending on who my 
client is. Right. Yeah. I, I feel the same. I usually, when I do a show, I'll bring a bunch of uh, decks. I'll bring like four or five decks and put them out on the table. And I will either ask them if there's a certain deck that, you know, might resonate with them. Or sometimes I'll put them in order, like, you know, scariest to least scary, <laughs> for lack of right. a better word. Some people are like, I want the scary one. And some people are like, I want the middle or whatever. Um, but a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just use my own intuition and I'll be mm -hmm. like, well, you know, there's, like I have a certain Oracle card deck that um, works really well for career and money readings. Um, and I have a certain deck that works really well for love and relationship readings. Um, or sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, the gut feeling that I get my intuition. Mm -hmm. And back when I got my first tarot deck there, it was back before the internet, before Amazon. So I had to go to B Dalton bookseller <laughs> and get a deck and a book on tarot. I and bet they had those at Spencer's too, you know, <laughs> you know, Probably but my did. mall wasn't that highbrow. I, mean, I don't remember seeing them, but I'm sure they were there. <laughs> right. So sometimes depending on the tarot book or resources that you get, they will have quote unquote rules. Some people will say, don't let other people touch your deck. Some people will say touching the deck is fine. You can read the tarot in an upright position or a reversed position. I personally don't read reversed. I read everything upright. So don't get locked in that you have to do tarot in a particular way. I actually don't do tarot spreads or layouts as they're called. Um, I, I kind of free form it and free flow. I use my intuition a lot. And so please, if you, if you are learning it, you do want to know the definitions of cards and what they mean with your intuition, but don't get locked into what has to be done a certain way. And for those of you that might not be familiar, uh, what a spread is, is like a formation. The, one of the simplest spreads is a three card spread where you've got on, you put down three cards face down on the left represents the past. The one in the middle represents the current time. And then the one on the right represents the future. But there are different spreads. Like I've seen spreads that have, you know, 13, 14 mm -hmm. cross shaped triangle, all different kinds. Um, and it's a way of like, because each position of each card is assigned a specific meaning. And they do have, um, like if you do a Google image search for tarot spreads or Oracle card spreads, you're going to find a bunch of them. So Again, if you're just starting out, it might be good because if you're looking for certain answers, it might help you to be a little more structured at first. But uh, as you go, you'll find there are certain spreads that you like, or you may be like April and just kind of freestyle it. So. I do. I used to use <laughs> spreads until mm -hmm. I was like, no more rules for me. I'm breaking them all. And I went freeform. The next section in the card section is Lenormand. And this is something I don't have too much experience with myself because I haven't been drawn to them, but they are 36 cards, each containing a particular symbol. For example, a cat, a ship, an anchor. So each card itself has a meaning, but when you do these spreads, like Jen just explained, the combination will change the meaning of the message. And unlike tarot, Lenormand's are only read upright. And something you may commonly run into, I mentioned that tarot is a lot like a playing card. Well, playing cards are like that minor arcana of the tarot. They have four suits as well. So if you wanted to correspond them to the tarot, diamonds would be coins or pentacles. Spades would be wands. Um, sorry, no, spades would be swords. Uh, clubs would be wands or sticks. And you've got hearts, which are cups. 
So if you are in a jam or you're trying to keep your tarot learning on the down low, you can always pick up a pack of playing cards and you can still get your practice in. Sometimes I do this on the airplane because I don't want to freak people out around <laughs> me, but I will take a pack of cards on the plane and maybe do little readings for myself on the plane. And in order to do that, it takes a special talent. You have to really know the tarot because if you get the six of diamonds, you need to know what that means. At right. least with the tarot deck, you, there are pictures. Well, most tarot decks, there are pictures, like especially with right or weight, you'll see a picture mm -hmm. of something and you can kind of, it gives you a clue into what the card is about. Mm -hmm. You can even get tarot decks that have complete messages on the bottom or words on them. So that might be something you want to look at too. If you're a beginner, it may help jog your memory when they have phrases or words on the bottom. Yeah. And you can also find cheat sheets. I actually, when I was starting out, I found one on Etsy that I bought for like three bucks or something like that. I printed that out and I practiced a lot. What I did was uh, I just went through night after night, I went through the entire deck and just kept mm -hmm. trying to remember what they each were. And the more I did it, the more I got familiar with it. So right. Pinterest is also a really great resource for different layouts or spreads and for cheat sheets. Yeah. For show, sure. Pinterest is great. Mm -hmm. Total rabbit hole though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so the next thing we're going to talk about um, is scrying. What scrying means is fixating on an object and using your intuition to get the messages or get the meanings. So um, again, what you want to do is have a purpose in mind about what you're trying to find out. And there are different things you can use for scrying, like the uh, typical, I don't want to say typical, um, the, the crystal ball, which is kind of like a classic. Yeah. It, classic. Um, so you you know, you see the, uh, the uh, type typecast uh, medium or something with the yeah. Yeah, stereotype. That's what I'm going for. Oh my God. <laughs> it's the so, classic stereotype. car of the scrying world. Yeah. She's got like a the turban and flowy. Yeah. She's in a tent. So anyway, crystal ball, uh, it, you definitely can use a crystal ball for scrying. Um, mirrors. Like I said, the Aztecs did smoke and mirrors. They use that for scrying. People can use candles looking into flames, water, um, sometimes in movies, you'll see people look into water and they see images. That's technically mm -hmm. scrying. Mm -hmm. um, and one of my favorite tools that I like to use are crystals. You can use just any old crystal and just look into it and kind of um, get the images. This works very much in tune with clairvoyance a lot, which is a clear seeing. And one thing, one of my favorite things I have is called a seer stone. That's S-E-E-R, like you're a seer. And you can find those on uh, different online outlets. And um, that's where I got a bunch of mine. And I have one in particular that I really like. It's kind of like a, they're usually shaped maybe a couple inches wide. They can come in different sizes. It is usually a crystal. Like I have one that's an amethyst, but I also have one that's a rose quartz and one that's a clear quartz. And on the outside, it's it's smooth, but it's not tumbled completely. So, um, but then it's kind of cut into. And when you look into it, it's like you're looking into... I guess a good way of thinking is like looking into clouds. If you ever look in, no, this is also scrying. Look up at the sky and in the clouds, you see a dove. Um, that's actually scrying. Um, but it's kind of the same thing with the seer stone. You can use it like that where I'll look at it. And I was using it when I was first starting to practice mediumship. And I would see people. I would see formations of people in that stone. And um, I was getting a lot of really good hits with it. 
So I was using it for that a lot. But sometimes what you're seeing, like it might be in your mind's eye what you see. Like you might literally see it in the stone, like you see in a cloud, you know, like Snoopy in a cloud or something like that. But a lot of times it's just your clairvoyance coming through also and seeing things that aren't necessarily right there in the stone. But it's just kind of a way of focusing your, your eyes on something so that your mind can draw the meaning and the messages. The next one is tea leaf reading, which is also called tassiomancy. And I have been dying to learn how to do this for so long. And I have finally found a local woman who does something close and she does readings with coffee grounds. And the principle is the same, but you take a small amount of tea or, or coffee containing loose leaves or, or grinds and you have your client consume a small bit of that or the entire cup, but you're going to leave the dregs, the coffee grounds or the tea leaves, and you're going to place that cup upside down to drain for about a minute. And then the practitioner looks at the formation of these coffee grounds or uh, the tea leaves. And so you may see certain things like actual symbols or depending on where the leaves are placed in the cup can mean something else. So the practitioner will again pull on their own intuition. They could be seeing things clairvoyantly. Uh, they could be feeling things, hearing things. So it's very much an interactive experience between you and your uh, client. And I keep thinking of Harry Potter. So that's the image I'm getting right mm -hmm. in my mind. It's like one of the Harry Potter movies where they had divination and the black dog was in his tea leaf cup. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can see some really crazy symbols in there. And uh, so I'm going to do it. That's on my to-do list, That's my manifestation awesome. list, is I'm going to learn how to read tea leaves. Well, you're welcome to practice on me anytime. Excellent. <laughs> also, you have the best tea always. Like I you're do. a tea connoisseur. And like, if you want some good tea, like <laughs> you got the tea girl, you do. Yeah, I do. I probably have <laughs> about... 10 types of bags and at least five types of loose. In People, my house she right has now. a tea maker. Like she, she came to my place one time. <laughs> I asked her, like I was making dinner and she's like, what can I bring? I'm like, you know, why don't you just bring some tea? She brought this whole setup. She brought this like flower thing, this fancy yeah. thing. It's and... a flowering tea. I, I even have a special <laughs> teapot for this flowering. That's what, yeah. You just plug it in. It was bubbling up. It was really good though. It was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. I do digress. I'm a big fan though. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to manifest do, that. You know, I really like tea, but I don't drink it often enough. I should drink it more. I was even thinking about lately, like, so I know I'm digressing again, but I'm like addicted to British period dramas. I think I had a past yeah. life during that time of or any time really during British, but um, they always have afternoon tea and it's like, mm. man, I need to like, just do that. Technically I had afternoon tea this afternoon when I was sitting on my couch at three o'clock <laughs> eating chocolate chip cookies, Right. but I wasn't drinking tea. Well, actually I was drinking iced tea, but it's not the same. I just, Southern like, version. <laughs> canned iced tea and chocolate chip cookies. Yep. Champagne taste on a beer budget. That's what my mommy used to say. Um, so uh, another type of divination tool, something you probably have heard of, it's called a pendulum. And what that is, is when there's something, an object that is dangled from a chain or a thread or some kind of string that moves in a direction and the response is dependent upon what direction that moves. So I love, I've got a bunch of different pendulums and 
I love using my pendulum. It's one of my favorite ones is actually clear quartz. It's kind of shaped like an arrowhead. And you can get these a lot at crystal shops or, or um, wellness shows, but you can also just make one of your own. Uh, actually, if you have a crystal, like actually I my first one that I used uh, was a crystal pendant that I had. So my first one was a needle and thread. So yep. some friends in high school, like middle mm -hmm. school, we would dangle and there's this thing like, am I going to marry so-and-so? How many kids am I going to have? <laughs> that was my first experience <clears throat> with a pendulum. Yeah. And I, I remember the first time I think I saw a pendulum in a movie was someone was pregnant and they took her wedding ring and put it on a piece of yarn and dangled it over her stomach to try and figure out whether she was going to have a boy or a girl. Mm -hmm. So um, that's definitely using a pendulum. So you can actually practice a pendulum tonight. Just, you know, find a piece of jewelry, an earring, a ring, um, really anything that you can tie to a string or a chain and do that. Now, the way that I do it might be a little bit different than how some people do it, but I'm going to tell you how I do it. So um, I'll take and I'll sit at the table and I'll rest my elbow on the table and I'll hold the end of the string so that the pendulum is dangling down, almost touching the table, but not quite, maybe like an inch above. And I'll just hold it still. Before I ask my question, what I'll do is I'll ask the pendulum, which way is yes? And then I will allow it. I'll just sit there and wait for it to move. And it will move. Usually 99% of the time for me, yes, is like front and back. So like up and back, up and back. That's a yes. Kind of like you're nodding Bird your head. Hold, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I'll stop the pendulum. I'll hold it still and say, what is no? And then again, usually for me, it's back and forth, left to right. Um, but I like to ask every time just because you never know. And it's, it's always good to just verify. Also, there are other options which people might not know about. I'll ask, what is I don't know or not enough information? And that's usually either elliptical or circular. Because even with when you're doing any kind of divination, even with tarot cards or everything, there isn't always a clear answer. And there might be like something that's yet to be determined. It might be too early to just to know um, because of all the different um, things that can happen. But anyway, so I'll ask that. And again, usually for me, it's circular or elliptical, but it could be any one of those things. So once I have those answers, what I will do is I will close my eyes and ask the question. Uh, again, first stilling the item, the pendulum. And then I will look at the, the pendulum and I'll see which way it goes and um, kind of go from there. Now, again, these are yes or no questions, but you don't you can like form your yes or no question in such a way that it gives you more than that, uh, that answer. Like, for example, if you want to say, you know, uh, am I going to meet my soulmate? Like if I was, uh, I've done pendulum readings before where people like want to know, am I going to uh, meet my soulmate? And I'd be like, well, maybe you will, but why don't we think about it this way? Are you going to meet your soulmate before, you know, this year? <clears throat> and last the pendulum and the pendulum will say yes. And then they'll say, okay, well, a year is a long time. You know, I'll say, okay, well, are you going to meet your soulmate before July? And the pendulum might say no. And I'll say, well, are you going to meet your soulmate before October? And the pendulum will say yes. Usually when it's like that, I'll say, okay, sometime between July and October, you're going to meet your soulmate. I don't like to bring it down to the actual date because there are too many things that kind of get all up in there and it gets too specific. You kind of have to leave some things to fate and mystery because if you try to get too specific, it's just not going to work right. So pendulums are not my jam. And I've tried many, many, many times with a pendulum and I've tried different kinds of pendulums. So they have all metal pendulums. They have 
wood pendulums. They have different crystals. I'm just not great at it. It, it only really moves for me if I'm not looking at it. I feel like it's a tricky <laughs> little <laughs> tricksy thing. But um, I did buy a book once. It's um, Pendulum Magic. It's a great beginner's book. I'm sorry, I don't remember the author, but it's a very popular one. And it has exercises to build up your uh, acuity with the pendulum. And there are also little mats, little circles, or pendulum circles uh, that you can buy. And they have, you know, yes, no, maybe all these little things on there. Yeah. And actually you can make your own too. If you decide you want to tell the pendulum what yes and no means, you can just draw it on a piece of paper, like a little map, or you can even download it from Google images. Just look up pendulum map and you'll find a bunch of them. Or Pinterest, as we alluded to earlier. <laughs> I'm a Google image and you're a Pinterest, yes. but it's all the same because yes. most of what's on Google images is from Pinterest anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So there's another type of divination tool that's called claromancy. And I don't know, I might be just kind of butchering that pronunciation, but that's basically like casting lots is what they call it. So tossing objects and then depending on what formation they are, that kind of gives you the answer. Like craps in Vegas. Well, any right? kind of dice, right? It's true, right? <laughs> any dice in game. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Right. There is a more sophisticated one, and it's called runes, but that is an ancient set of symbols really based on an early Germanic or Scandinavian alphabet, and it's generally placed on wooden tiles or stone tiles, but it's one of the earliest known recordings of, of runes was in 150 AD, so it's been around a long time, and that was for the Germanic variation, but each letter has a specific meaning, and you can either draw it, think of a question, and reach in and draw a tile or two or three out of the bag to answer your question, or you can reach in and just throw a handful down, and the ones that land face up are answers to your questions. So interesting. And you know, also there's something called osteomancy, which is actually doing pretty much the same thing, but reading bones. And that's also an ancient practice. Um, sometimes people might use stones or shells or charms, but it's basically the same thing. And they can predict the future or connect you with your ancestors is what, what's believed. So the formation of the bones was often read by shaman um, or you know, a div diviner to interpret the future. And uh, they can be inscribed with words or symbols to enhance the messages too. Wow, we've all seen that on some TV show or so, so let me ask you then, we've kind of gone through, April, we've gone through most, now, there are a lot of other types of divination tools and you can even make up your own, mm -hmm. but these are basically the main ones. And then I guess some obscure ones too. Um, when I was talking, when I was doing my research about history, I ran into something that was kind of, uh, it was kind of nasty. I wasn't even going to mention it, but <laughs> just to keep things interesting. So um, they used to do something and uh, I can't remember the word for it now, but um, back in ancient times, like uh, in ancient Greece, in some other areas too, ancient Romans mm -hmm. would, um, they would sacrifice an animal or sometimes a human, mm -hmm. and then they would look at the entrails and that would determine something that was a way they would divinate. Have you seen The Witcher? I have not. Netflix? Oh, they, no. they've got a scene of the entrail divination in The Witcher. Yeah. And I'm, I thought of another one too, of dowsing. Yes, dowsing. Mm -hmm. Dowsing, which is uh, usually either sticks, curved sticks, or copper rods. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
a lot of Southerners would douse for a well because the rods or the sticks would cross when you were over water. Mm -hmm. That could be considered divination as well. Yeah, for sure. So uh, April, I know you love tarot cards or tarot cards, but uh, (laughs) other than that, what is your favorite type of divination? Uh, well, tarot for sure. Um, and then, like I said, I'm uh, super attracted to the Tassiomancy, the tea leaf reading. Those Mm -hmm. are my jam. The scrying, I kind of feel like it's those 3d pictures from the (laughs) nineties. Um, (laughs) so I haven't done much of that. I could never see those things. It's crazy because you're so clairvoyant that it's so weird to me that that doesn't work for you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. If you guys have seen that movie mall rats where the guy goes completely ballistic at the end because he cannot see that 3d picture in the window of that shop. That is me (laughs) when I'm faced with those things. Uh, But scrying, I feel like I've done that in a past life. I have some memories of scrying in a past life but I, it, I haven't really been drawn to it too much in this one. Tarot is by far and large my jam. Yeah. Yeah. Tarot. And that's always really a good place to start. Although, like I said, if you're looking for something a little bit different, um, getting a seer stone is really cool too. Yeah. And, and, uh, I love my pendulum. Like I said, that's a good place to start too. It's pretty simple and easy to start with. So, or it's not like me. It's really tricksy, (laughs) but pay attention to what you gravitate to. Yeah, for sure. Attention. Yeah. And for me, like the tea leaf thing, like I love drinking tea, but I can't even imagine like trying to figure all that out. Like, eh. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> let me know when you're ready because yes. I'm interested in knowing. I will, I cannot wait. <laughs> but but runes, I I don't have that Germanic Scandinavian background, mm-hmm. and I don't even feel like I spent a lot of time in past lives there. So I just don't have a strong connection to that, uh, which is I think uh, one reason I haven't done that. Um, but it's it's interesting, and it's kind of a it has, has kind of a pagan feel to it as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little bit, um, a little bit pagany. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of this stuff, right? <laughs> That's true. And actually I was going to mention when I was looking up history, you know, it has, divination has such an ancient history, but right around the medieval times is when it started becoming a no-no because, mm-hmm. uh, there was a rise of the Christianity and, um, the church started feeling threatened by it and uh yeah but it is mentioned in the bible as well Mm -hmm. there are a couple places in the bible that that divination is mentioned so i mean humans are curious so Mm -hmm. i think as long as there have been humans we've wanted to know stuff and we've just developed systems to help us out Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so this was a fun discussion i know oh yeah i love it that was great um and uh, now it's time for our mailbag. And April, I have a great note from Shannon in Hollywood, Florida. I love Hollywood, Florida, by the way. It's awesome there. Great beach. Um, it's like just far enough away from the craziness of Fort Lauderdale and the, <laughs> uh, um, what do I want to say? I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings in Miami, but I'm not a Miami person. So <laughs> it's very, it's, uh, yeah, too swanky I- and metropolitan for me. I grew up in Florida, so I'm yeah on the panhandle. Yeah, I did. I I, I Um, left. 
Anyway, Shannon asks, well, she says, Dear April and Jen, thanks for starting this podcast. I really look forward to listening to it and have learned a lot. Woohoo! Thank you, Shannon. And thanks all you listeners. Uh, my question is for Jen. I have heard you talking about being an animal communicator. Can you tell me more about that? How do you do it? Is there a way for me to communicate with my cat? Love, Shannon in Hollywood, Florida. So um, animal communication is um, something that I learned I had a long time ago um, where I, I, I the, the thing that was really clear to me, I actually went to somebody's house, one of my coworkers' house, and like I called her when I, just before I got there and said, I'm on my way. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to apologize for my dog now because he's a jerk. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'm not worried about it. He's a Doberman. So he's a big dog. And I'm like, well, is he going to bite me? She goes, no, he's just a pain. Like he's going to stick his nose in your crotch and he's going to you know, try to jump on you. I'm like, okay, well, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm a dog lover. I'm good with that. So I get there and he starts his business and I just told him, nope, don't do that. And he just sat down and looked at me and she was like, what did you just do? <laughs> and I'm like, I just told him not to do that. She's like, how did you do that? I'm like, I just told him not. She's like, you're the only person in the world he's ever listened to other than my husband. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And then I thought about some more and I really thought about how I've been communicating with animals all my life, especially my pets. Um, you spend a lot of time with your pets and you know, Shannon, you say you want to communicate with your cat, but I bet you're already communicating with your cat and you don't even know it. Like, have you ever thought, you know, it's about time for me to feed my cat dinner without even saying out loud. And the cat starts running into the kitchen because she knows that you're going to get her food bowl. That's um, so it's, there's not to say, how do you do it? It's kind of hard because it's just something that you do. But uh, a good way to do it is just to start doing it, start talking out loud to them, or even just in your mind, just start having conversations and then listen to what they're saying. So it's not just about saying, oh, it's time for me to get my cat's dinner. Also listen to what they're saying to you, really think about it and try to connect with them. Sometimes laying your hands on them, even just petting them or laying your hands on them, that'll help you to um, foster that energetic connection as well. And uh, speaking of pets, my little <laughs> puppy must know that we're talking about uh -huh. animal communication because she's scratching in her crate right now. <laughs> she's like, mom, I hear you. Yes. Uh, anyway, so just think about that. Um, something that can help you, there are actually, there's crystals for everything. And one of my favorite crystals is called Dalmatian Jasper. And it actually looks like Dalmatian spots. And um, that is one of the best animal communication crystals that you can use. I actually did some volunteer work with a uh, horse rescue and I had a pendant made of Dalmatian Jasper and I would wear it when I was going to the stables and um, it helped me to communicate with them a lot. So I'd say just start with that and see how it goes. And uh, you know, it's not for everybody, but if your heart is in it and you feel strongly about it, I think just you're asking me about it is uh, the first step into um, just doing it. Just keep practicing. And Shannon, I would say it's really important to don't filter, censor, or doubt the information that you're getting back either. Like really trust right. what you're getting back from your pet as being a real message. Just like anytime you are starting out doing any type of um, psychic development or spiritual development, uh, trust your intuition, trust your gut, and just uh, know. All right. And Jen's a really great alpha too. 
She's a super awesome alpha pack leader. I am not. <laughs> and I talk about this often. I am the Omega of my pack. I have two Chihuahuas mixes. They're, they're big old Chihuahua mixes are like 18 pounders, but, uh, yeah, I, I am their human servant, but, uh, but we still have that communication. My, my dog will give me the look. She's actually let me know when something is in the oven that's about to burn. She oh. smells it. She smells it ready before <laughs> I do. And she gives me the look and, and kind of barks and heads toward the kitchen and turns around and looks at me like, wow, uh, you need to go awesome. get that out. And so, I know, cause you've mentioned in past shows, your smeller isn't the best. I have no sense of smell. Yeah. Very little. So <laughs> luckily my dog loves food. I bet she's a Taurus too. And, uh, helps me out with that. She's my Instead of seeing eye dog, she's my <laughs> smelling nose dog. Nose dog. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done a chart for your dogs? No, I don't. I, they're both rescues. Oh, so, I, so you I don't have know. No idea. Right. Yeah. yeah, actually, I did a chart for Karma, my puppy, and um, I have to think about, I have to look it up because I, I did it when I first got her and then I just haven't referenced it, but she was born on my exact half birthday. So my birthday is January 30th and she was born on July 30th. So she is a Leo. You need to look at her chart again, but uh, she's definitely a Leo. I think she's got some sass in there. Like, I don't know. She's got some other stuff going on. For you to put her on disapproving corgis. There's a I have. Uh, yeah. Okay. I put her I a couple times. Like there are so many opportunities for karma to put her sass on there. Yeah, some of that is capturing it on camera, though. She's usually sure. pretty good about posing, but she doesn't sit still very often. <laughs> so, <laughs> and honestly, I mean, she'll disapprove. Like, tech, they're actually so disapproving. Corgi is this Facebook group. They're actually cracking down and making sure the pictures you post are actually disapproving. Oh, right. So okay. you know, pictures of side eye or whatever, but. So, well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. This was a fun show to do. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, if you have any questions, please email us at spiritualbasicspodcast at gmail.com. Questions or show suggestions, always feel free to go to our website, spiritualbasicspodcast.com. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much, guys, and take care.